You are listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at www.riversideconnect.org. Good morning. As Pastor Bill said, I am Douglas Kirsten, one of the Nexus Student Ministry leaders. Um, it is huge opportunity for me to be here with you to share the word that God has placed on our hearts as a church to share together today. Um, if you are listening by podcast, I'm glad that you're joining in, but we miss you. We want to see your face. Um, we've been spending this whole year talking about fixing our eyes on Jesus. That's where we've been for the whole year. But today, specifically, we're in the midst of a series called Corrective Lenses, Things That Help Us to See Jesus. If you were with us a few months ago, I think in February, we had a series called Blind Spots, Things That Keep Us from Seeing Jesus. So we talked about the things that get in the way. Today, we're going to look at the things that help us to see him more clearly. Um, Over the past few weeks, we have looked at letting Scripture speak and let Scripture be a vehicle for seeing Jesus more clearly. We talked last week about generosity, sharing your time, your talents, your treasures, um, all the resources you have that they're God's anyway. So share those in a generous, selfless fashion, and we will experience him in that. Uh, In the coming weeks, we'll be looking at resting and remembering. But today, we're going to look at prayer. Before we really dive into it, I thought it would be appropriate, uh, since we're talking about corrective lenses, to share a bit of history of my corrective lenses. So you're about to see, I was way ahead of my time in fourth grade. The big glasses weren't necessarily that cool when I was in fourth grade, but I was just preparing for them to be way cooler later. Uh, And you may not be able to see, because it's not super clear, that's a homemade shark sweatshirt. Homemade, uh, and a shark tooth necklace just to complete the ensemble. But that was my first pair of glasses. I thought bigger is better because I don't want to like lose any peripheral sight. Um, you can see as I moved up into fifth grade, I got a little bit smaller of a lens uh, and a way cool bowl cut, right? There was so much depth gel in my hair in that picture. It basically functioned as a helmet, I'm pretty sure. Uh, and the picture on the right is seventh grade. I, still had the, I had the same frames for three years. I thought they were cool enough. I just kept replacing the lenses. Um, and then in eighth grade, I got another new pair. I thought these were cool. Uh, and I also had the frosted tips hairstyle. I thought that was nice. Uh, Justin Timberlake paved the way for my mom to put a cap over my head and use that little hook to pull the little strands through. It's embarrassing now looking back, but then I thought I was the cat's pajamas. Uh, and then in high school, I got my first pair of like plastic frames. You know, I was like kind of like into the emo thing. So you can go to the high school picture. You can see really over here to the right, that was I think 11th grade, uh, started, you know, coloring my hair and got like the plastic frames. And now you can see today, still wearing glasses. I tried contact lenses several times. And I want to tell you about the most miserable experience I've ever had in an eye doctor's. And basically every eye doctor's point is miserable. And I'll talk about that a little bit later. But the eye doctor I grew up going to, they had this, like, process. If you wanted contact lenses, you had to go through two different, like, learning experiences. The first was that the eye doctor or the nurses or all the people there, they would physically put the two contact lenses in your eyes. They let you go for, like, two hours. You get to go, like, experience the world without glasses and wear sunglasses and still be able to see for the first time. It was incredible. Except it took them 45 minutes per eye. And they they were bragging about how strong my eyelids are. I'm like, is this something I should be, like, excited about? Two nurses hovering over me, one holding my bottom lid and one holding the top because I just kept, like, uh, like, just closing them. So after spending an hour and a half there just to get the trial on, I was like, I guess I'll go wear them for two hours, but I don't think I'm ready. 
So I waited another two years, came back, exact same thing. Eyelids have gotten even stronger in those two years. Uh, so it wasn't until I was in college that I figured it out, got the contacts in. Once they do that, the second part is they have to physically watch you put each contact in three times. Like put it in, take it out, put it in, take it out, put it in, take it out, then you get to leave. My eyes were so swollen at the end of that day. Like, you know, because I, I had watched them struggle. I'm like, how am I going to do this? But finally figured it out. I just needed to wake up an extra like hour and a half to two hours every day to, to get them in every day. You know, spend a half an hour of that just letting the swelling go down and like uh, restore my vision. But I would say an overwhelming majority of us have experienced corrective lenses in some fashion, glasses or contacts. Are there any, anybody in here who has never ever had glasses or contacts? Wow, the chosen few. No, keep your hands up. Keep your hands up. I'm going to have you put your hands down in in this fashion. How many of you guys with your hands up have ever worn sunglasses? If you have worn sunglasses, put your hands down. You've never worn sunglasses? Oh, no, no. So wait, is there anybody who's never worn corrective lenses or glasses? Okay. Have you ever worn uh, goggles while swimming? No? You can open your eyes underwater? It's incredible superhuman. What about safety goggles? The point I'm trying to get at is that we've all worn something on our eyes for some specific purpose. 3D movie? I'm going to go ahead and say that's corrective lenses. There we go. That about sums up the whole room. So we can't fix or protect our eyes on our own. We need help. And we can't fix our spiritual lenses on our own. We need outside help. And that's what we're going to be looking at today. Jesus wants to be our ophthalmologist. Now, the difference between an ophthalmologist and an optometrist is something I had to Google because I didn't know. An optometrist does the screening. They do the checkup. They might be able to do a diagnosis, but the ophthalmologist is the one who can perform surgeries. So Jesus being the ophthalmologist, he doesn't want to just tell you what's wrong. He wants to be a part of the fix. He wants to be a part of the solution because he is the solution. So we're going to look at how prayer can help us see Jesus. If you have a paper Bible, you can turn to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 6. Go halfway through and start flipping to the right till you see Matthew 6. Um, if you're using the Riverside app, there's a live option at the bottom, or you can follow along in a digital Bible as well. While you are turning there, let me give you a little bit of context for why Jesus is about to say the things that he's going to say. Prayer at this time had become very ritualized. It had become scheduled to the point where there were certain prayer times throughout the day that people had to observe. Um, so it wasn't just when you felt the need to pray or the desire to pray. It was within this schedule. Prayer was being taught by the rabbis that it was greater than all good works. The prayer was like, man, if you were like good at praying and you put on a good show, the longer you prayed, the more spiritual you clearly were. And they were praying for the applause of people. It was a public display of your spirituality and your righteousness. So prayer had become this kind of monster, and that's not how God intended it. So Jesus, as he does often throughout his three years of ministry, he corrects them. And he provides the corrective lenses for us today to still see what prayer is designed for. So here we are in verse 5. He starts off saying, and when you pray. And I just want to pause there for a moment because I think it's interesting that it's translated as when you pray. He doesn't say, if you pray, I'm going to tell you how to do it. He says, when you pray. Clearly, Jesus has an expectation, God has an expectation that he has designed us to be in communication with him. 
He has designed us to be in relationship with our creator. So he's saying, when you pray, this shouldn't be an option for you. This should be something you want to do and you're going to do. So when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. And what he means by that, their reward in full, when he said they did it to be seen by others and for their applause, that's it. He said, yeah, these people are out there making a a show that they're putting on a little Broadway performance on the sidewalk with their prayer. The applause they got, that's it. That's their only reward. But he says, but when you pray, he says it again, when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Now there's that moment in an eye doctor screening appointment. If you've never been there, you're probably never going to want to go after the stories I'm, I'm going to tell you about it. There's a moment where they're checking to see which lens looks better, and they say number one or number two. It feels like a trick question, right? So you know the answer. You're the doctor. Can you just tell me which one looks better? Like, they go number one and number two. Number one almost always looks better because it came first. But then when they get to number three, they're like, number one or number three? It's like, I forget what number two looks like. Can you go back to that one? Can you line them all up? Well, Jesus takes this moment to show a number one, number two lens option, but he clearly gives us the answer. He doesn't leave us guessing. He says, let's check up on who your prayer attention is focused on. Who are you thinking about whenever you are praying? Number one, other people in public, for all to see, seeking attention and approval and applause. Or how about lens number two, all about your creator, your heavenly father in private, just between you and him. And he he makes it clear, he says, when you pray, don't make it about them. Number two is so much better, you can see me more clearly. It's not about being seen more clearly, I want you to see me. So prayer that helps us see Jesus begins in secret. And Jesus is not taking this moment to condemn public prayer. We pray every Sunday in church, several times throughout the service. He's not saying that's bad. Public prayer is necessary. What we're getting at is that Prayer that helps us see Jesus begins in secret. If you don't have that personal, individual relationship with the Father, the corporate prayer is not going to pack the punch that it can whenever we're unified as one body, all praying together. So he's, he's saying that if, if you're praying in church on Sundays, it's good, but is that the only time that you're praying? If you're praying before dinner, that's good, but is that the only time that you're praying throughout the day? Oh, good, good food, good meat, good God, let's eat. He's saying, is that it? Okay, maybe your small group on Wednesday nights. Okay. But what Jesus is getting at is go in your room by yourself. Close the door. What's done in secret, your father will reward you. He he wants you to know him. And he he already knows you, but he wants you to come and tell him more about you. He desires those intimate, private moments with you. Secret prayer allows you to pour your heart out, to express your true feelings, and most important, the aspect that I feel like it's missed so much in prayer, it's time to listen. It's time to listen to what God has to say. Verse 7, when you pray, again he says it, when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, For they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. If that is all you walk out of here hearing today, I feel like you will be changed and you'll be blessed because God knows what you need before you even bring it to him. 
He wants you to ask him. He wants us to have that relationship with him, but he already knows. That's so beautiful. Eugene Peterson in the message uh, paraphrase rephrase those scriptures as this. The world is full of so-called prayer warriors who are actually prayer ignorant. They're full of formulas and programs and advice, peddling techniques for getting what you want from God. But don't fall for that nonsense. This is your father you're dealing with, and he knows better than you what you need. And with a God like this loving you, you can pray very simply. So Jesus, again, provides us an opportunity. He says, lens one or lens two. Lens number one, this babbling, empty, meaningless, formulaic, lengthy, wordy prayers. Or how about lens number two? Your father already knows what you need before you ask him. Just pray simply. So prayer that helps us see Jesus first begins in secret. And then prayer that helps us see Jesus is simple. It's straightforward. The truth of the matter, as hard as this might be to swallow, God doesn't need our prayers. We are not doing anything, we're not doing him a favor. He he doesn't have a checkbox waiting for us to go and pray to them. He doesn't need them. But man, he wants them. And our God knows that we need them. That's why he wants us to pray. Simple prayer helps us develop a trust. A trust that helps us to say in our life, Father, you know what's best. I trust you. When you go to the eye doctors, you're trusting that they're going to diagnose you with the appropriate condition if you have one. You're trusting that they're going to prescribe you the appropriate strength of lenses or contacts to correct your vision. Because if you don't trust your eye doctor, I hope you go and find a new one. You got to have a trust with them. Now, I, this is all fresh on my mind. I just went to the eye doctors last Tuesday. So this is all very, very fresh. I just experienced this again. There's this humility that I experience when walking into the eye doctor because I know what I'm about to experience. How many of you guys have had that like dreading, like maybe it's just the dentist, but do any of you guys dread the eye doctor? Okay, three of us. It's all right. We're united. We've got this. I feel like my tail is between my legs. At first I go in all confident and excited. I'm like, I might get some new frames. Thanks insurance. This is sweet. But then as soon as they, like, take me back to the first exam room and I see all the machines at that little table that usually spins, I'm like, oh, no. I know what these are capable of. There's the one thing that they do where they, they say, just rest your chin here. Yep, just put your forehead forward. Just one eye. You're going to see a, a, a beautiful picture. Just keep your eye open. Okay, just keep it. And then before you know it, it's like, this bright flash right in your eye. Like, couldn't you have warned me that you were going to take a really close-up picture of my eye? And then after they do the one, you know you have to muscle through the second one because I have two eyes. So they have to do it again. After they get done with that, they give me a tissue to like wipe the tears because, you know, they're, they're enjoying that moment when we're crying. You've got to believe that when like a strong, burly man, and I know it's not, I'm, I'm not that, but when like a strong, burly guy is in there sitting and after he gets the picture taken and he's like, you got to, the eye doctor's probably like, oh yeah, this is, this is a winning moment for me. There's that next spot. It's always a hot air balloon. And that should be telling in and of itself that it's a hot air balloon. You're staring at it. You're staring at it. Don't blink. You're staring at it. And they, they blast you in the eye with air. What does that do? I've never been explained how that is helping them figure out my eyes. I just feel like somebody's like blowing in my eye. And then again, they have to go to the second eye. There was a new one I experienced this last time, though. 
I'm pretty sure it was iodine. They just put drops of some stuff in my eye. And she said, don't worry, this isn't going to hurt. It's just going to burn. Is there a difference in this moment between hurting and burning? Because I feel like it's hurting and it's burning. And then they give you a little tissue. And so she puts it in, you know, strong eyelids still. Uh, she, she pulls one out, puts it in. And I'm just like, ah, ah. She's like, oh, it's okay. It's okay. I'm like, no, no, it's, it's really not. This hurts. So I'm, I'm dabbing next level. She says, just rest your chin here. Just hold your eye open. It's about to get real bright. She takes a flashlight so close, I can feel it on my eye. Drops burning and then a light touching my eye. And she again has to reach up and hold my eyelids open. They're just too strong. The point of all of that detailed illustration about how I hate going to the eye doctors is that there's a moment of vulnerability. My walls are down. There's clearly a a moment where they're seeing me like reveal my true emotions. I'm crying in the chair while they're testing me. Secret and simple prayer should do the same thing. It should reveal the deepest parts of our being. It should peel away all of the layers of our religion. It should peel away all the layers of us trying to be a Christian. And it should just have us there simply inviting Jesus. Test me, God. Look inside of my heart. I know you already know what's there, but I want to invite you in to see the deepest parts of what's going on in my life. The psalmist would pray at the end of Psalm 139 that Trey mentioned earlier, search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Our prayers should leave us vulnerable. We should go into them with all of our guards down. It's just you and your heavenly father. And remember, he knows what you need even before you ask him. Take your walls down. Be vulnerable. Jesus would continue in Matthew 6 in verse 9. He had just said, uh, to recap, he says, Don't be like the guys that are babbling with their meaningless words, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. This, then, is how you should pray. And it's such a beautiful thing that our God not not only so lovingly created us, gave us purpose, he teaches us exactly how to talk with him. And he gives us kind of an outline. It's not a formula. He gives us some suggestions of how we can pray because prayer takes practice. It's not easy. When you first, when you go on like a first date with somebody, there's those moments in conversation where like you've got your style of like making jokes and they don't really get it yet. And there's those awkward moments. Take some practice to kind of get in the flow of conversation. God's no different. It takes some practice to get comfortable talking to him. It's a little bit weird because you can't physically see him. So push through that. Push through the the awkwardness of that. But as I go through, we're going to look at the Lord's Prayer because that's how he teaches them to pray. And I'm sure this will be familiar to a lot of you. Um, I I will be using different key words to kind of define different aspects of it that might help give you handles on how to pray. These are also outlined on the back of the insert in your bulletin. Um, So if if you only got one of these per family, try and share it with each other. They're all outlined there. Um, and those come from this book. It's, it's from our follow discipleship uh, vehicle that we've got. So if, if you've never been discipled one-on-one by another Christian, um, maybe you're taking your first steps at following Jesus. Maybe you're, you're, you want to give your life to Christ today and you want to know what's my next step. Meeting with somebody one-on-one who maybe has spent a little bit more time with Jesus, they can walk alongside you and help go through the, the, the changes that God might call you to make and help you to know more about this Jesus that you give your life to. 
these aspects of prayer that we're going to look at are all based out of one of the chapters in this. So these are available at the front on both sides of the platform here. So if you want to look into that, uh, there's information there on how to get connected with a mentor in our church. So this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven. Now the word that we'll use to kind of summarize that is relationship. He's saying start off your prayer. Just acknowledge who God is. Tell him who, he already knows who he is, but it helps him to know that you know who he is. God, you're, you're, you're our heavenly father, my creator, my savior, my rescuer, my helper, my best friend. Call him what you need to call him to establish your relationship with him. That's important in your prayer to, to have that common understanding that you know who he is. So tell God who he is. Tell him exactly who he is to you. Establish the relationship. Our father in heaven, Hallowed be your name. Now, growing up, I thought it was hollow be your name, and I was really confused for a long time. Didn't know why his name was to be kept hollow. Hallowed means something way different. What he's saying here is, may your name be kept holy. May I live in a way, God, help me to live, help me to see in a way that keeps your name holy. Help me to live in a way that respects you. I want to establish my relationship with you, Jesus, and then I want to establish my respect for you, my awe for you. A a Christian church word for this is reverence. Reverence is this awe-filled, total, like, I'm kind of afraid of him because he's so amazing and so big, but man, I just love him and I have so much respect for this God that created me and, and saved me and has a plan for me. So relationship, respect, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Rain, not like water, precipitation. Rain, R-E-I-G-N. So we've got our relationship, we've got our respect, and this is where we're resting in the fact that Jesus, you're in control. I want your will to be done because my, my will is messy. My will is broken. My will is, is, is seated from a, from a deep place that it's going to benefit me. But your will has you in mind, has your kingdom in mind, has your people in mind. I want you to have total reign over my life and over my community. You're praying that to him. I want your will to be done. Give us today our daily bread. We can remember that just with the word food. And this isn't just your, your daily food that you're eating. This is the house over your head. These are the clothes on your back. These are the people he's provided in your life. This is the time and the day. God, thank you for, for the resources you have blessed me with. If you don't have any of the other food, his bread of life is available all day, every day. And we can thank him for that and praise him for that. Give us today our daily bread. And that, that's not asking for abundance. It's saying, God, just give me what I need today. You know what I need before I even ask you. Will you give me what I need today? Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. So we've got relationship. We've got respect. We've got reign. We've got food. And now forgiveness. If you're here today and you've heard the word forgiveness but are not sure exactly totally what it means, God sent Jesus to correct our problem of brokenness and our problem of sin. He created us to be perfect and Adam and Eve kind of messed that up and we have inherited that. But Jesus came down to fix it. We were deserving of death, but this cross, that symbolizes that our God sent his only son to take the punishment that we deserve. He took our crown of shame and gave us his kingdom crown and gave us forgiveness. If you're here today and you need to hear this, forgiveness is free in Jesus. 
All you need to do is believe. Believe that Jesus got on that cross for you and had your name on his heart. So we pray that prayer. And we pray that, God, will you help me to forgive the people that have hurt me? Help me to forgive the people that that have, have wronged me or have sinned against me or have sinned against other people. Give me that same forgiveness that you've freely given to me. Help me to give that away. And at the end, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Freedom. So there's a bit of an alliteration there, and you can see it. Relationship, respect, reign, food, forgiveness, and freedom. And this is just, this is just a jumping off point. Your prayer is going to look way different. Some people will approach the, the throne of God, and they'll refer to him as this holy and righteous king, and very honorable, and, and big names and big words, and that's great. It's exactly who Jesus is. And some people will come to him humble and just say, Jesus, you're, you're my best friend, man. I, I need you today. And, and, and that's great too. Both of them have their appropriate times. And you talk to God how he wants you to talk to him. He's made us all different. You talk to him for who he is to you. The thing today is practice prayer that helps you see Jesus. Practice prayer that helps you see Jesus. Nobody can go to the eye doctor for you. You can't like tag team like a friend or a sibling and be like, hey, I, I don't want to go get the air puffed in my eyes. I don't want the pictures. I don't want the flashlight. Will you just go and just tell me the answers and I'll go pick out my frames afterwards? It doesn't work like that. We need to go by ourselves. Only you can go in and have your vision tested. Only the corrective lenses can be prescribed appropriately for you individually. And that's what God's calling us to. He wants us to pray in community. He wants us to pray for and with each other, but he also wants us to have that private, secret, and simple prayer with him. You know, our health insurance affords us typically one vision screening per year. But Jesus on the cross purchased for us a lifetime of individual visits in the chair with Jesus. We can't afford not to be regularly going to him and asking to see things through his eyes and to see him more clearly. It takes practice. There's going to be silent moments for those introverts. I'm sure you love those moments. For us extroverts, we get into those silent moments with God and we feel like we just need to keep talking. This is what I do everywhere else. I guess I should do it with God. I'm just going to keep talking. I want to tell you about my day. Hey, God, guess what happened? Take that moment of silence and just really be. Just be still and know that he is God. Be in his presence. It's okay. God has no problem with wait time. He has no problem with awkward silence. He just loves to be with you and for you to take that time to be with him. So the question today to get us thinking is how can you begin practicing prayer that helps you see Jesus? How are you praying and when are you praying? You'll see at the bottom of, of the, the, the paper here on the front side, there's a few handles at the bottom that we're going to give you throughout this week to continue practicing your prayer. Um, the first is there is a, a Bible study called the Power, of Simple, the Power of a Simple Prayer by Max Lucado. Um, it's a six-day Bible reading plan um, in the YouVersion Bible app, or you can go to the website and read it online. You might need to write this down, bible.com. Can you handle that? Bible.com, okay? 
Just search for prayer under the readings and you can access that. If you're not a, if you're not included into our Facebook group, please go find Riverside Community Church on Facebook. We will be putting up posts daily to let you have a glimpse into how Jesus prayed and how Paul prayed. And hopefully that can help, um, to further equip and empower your prayer life. Uh, and then we're also recommending the book Too Busy Not to Pray by Bill Hybels. Um, he's a pastor at Willow Creek Church, uh, and he wrote a book that is uh, really practical, really gets down into nitty-gritty of prayer, and it's really awesome. Uh, I read it last summer and highly recommend that. I'm going to take a moment uh, here and pray for you, and then we're going to do something that we don't often do on a regular Sunday morning, and it, it might be uncomfortable for a moment, but I, I pray that you will bear, bear through it. We're going to have about four or five minutes of just instrumental music um, by our worship team, which the, the worship team can make their way up here uh, whenever you guys are ready. They're just going to provide some background music just to, to kind of fill the atmosphere, it's time for you just to begin putting this into practice. I know this isn't in a closed door by yourself, but this is time to just take what you've learned today, what the Spirit has spoken to you, and just talk to God about it. And that can look so many different ways. You can be praying silently in your seat by yourself. You could be kneeling at your seat if you feel comfortable kneeling and you, you just want to take that surrender posture to God. This whole front area is always available. If, if you feel like you were in need of an outward expression of the inward transformation, you can walk to the front and kneel. Again, knowing full well it's not about what anybody in here thinks. You're not putting on a show for anybody else. Jesus specifically condemned that. He said, I want you to just do it for me. I want you to be there looking for me. So this room is going to be filled with people praying silently, people standing, kneeling, seated. Maybe you just want to sit there and just think and just let the music wash over you and just think about God, just meditate on, on the scriptures that we've read. If you want to write out your prayers in a note in your phone, you can do that. If you want to write them out on paper, you can do that. You can even, this prayer on the back, we've kind of given you, if maybe this is your first time praying, we've given you some handles there following that little the, the suggestion of how to pray from Jesus. We've given you some things there that you can just pray those prayers that are right there and continue praying them throughout the week. So I'm going to take some time and pray for you. And I'm going to walk off the platform. And when I walk off, there's not going to be any singing for a few minutes. We will join back together and worship corporately and we will pray in song together at the end of that prayer time. But I really want you to take advantage of this time. Maybe you don't have regular time throughout your schedule to just have silent, quiet, meditative time with God. Take advantage of these few minutes, and hopefully it will encourage you to find that in your schedule to make that a priority. So everybody, you can bow your heads, bow your hearts, close your eyes. God, I want to pray for every person in this room right now. I want to pray for those who, who may be guilty of punching in and punching out of our prayer, that it's more of a checklist item than it is a heartfelt, stripped-down, vulnerable, humble conversation with our Creator and Savior. God, I pray that they would see that you desire relationship. You desire for us to just talk to you and to be with you and to listen to you, to have silent moments where we're just thinking about how awesome you are and all that you've done in our lives. God, I pray for those that have the busy schedule, the need help finding a, a, a quiet place to pray in secret to our unseen Father with these unseen prayers. God, I pray that you would help us to balance our busy schedules, that we would find margin and free time, that maybe we've been squandering at doing other things that are meaningless, that we would see the meaning and significance in having intimate time with you. God, I pray you would help us to have discipline to practice praying.
that we would be disciplined in pushing through the times when we don't know what to say, pushing through the times when we're embarrassed or, or shameful about our sin, or, or maybe we're not coming to you because we know our sin. We're more than aware of it, and we just don't want to have that painful conversation with you. God, I pray you would break down those walls, peel away those layers. God, I pray for the men in this room right now, the grandfathers, the fathers, the husbands, the brothers, the sons. God, I pray that we would be bold, courageous men of prayer. That we would see our responsibility of being godly men to represent the sacrificial nature of Christ to this world. God, I pray that that would begin in our secret prayer, that we would be boldly, courageously, and confidently approaching your throne, praying for our families, praying for our jobs. God, I pray for the women in this room, the grandmothers and the mothers, the wives and the daughters and the sisters. I pray that they would be courageous, bold women, prayer warriors of God. God, I pray you would empower them Give them the strength to approach you with that same confidence and boldness. To talk to you and to listen to you. God, I pray that you would help us to be more bold with our prayers about our workplaces. That as students, we would pray for our teachers and our principals. That as teachers and principals, we'd pray for our students. We'd pray for the employees below us and the bosses and supervisors above us. We'd pray for our communities. We'd pray for our church leaders. God, help us to be better prayer warriors looking out for your body, your church, the church that you died to save. Give us wisdom. God, give us depth of insight. Give us courage. Reveal your will to us, God. Help us to have reliance and dependence upon you and you alone. Fill us with your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at www.riversideconnect.org.